Buckle that belt. The neighbor is already threatening to call the cops. He's pissed. If you get anxious, man, you just pop these little guys. People out here looking like Paul Feinbaum trying to tell us what to do with our hair. In my overserved state, I went to the wrong house. No, it was the right house. Okay. Dive bar means the beer is cold, the drinks aren't too expensive, and the hamburgers are great. They are a unified front in doing their very best to keep me between the proverbial navigational beacons. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast here at Outsider. Marty's here. Wesley's here. Travis is here discussing the 2007 Sugar Bowl or whatever year it was. What year was it, Travis? 2010. 2011. 2010 that, that Sugar year. Bowl. Well, Who 2007 won? Sugar Bowl would have been DMC. Georgia. Oh, that was Georgia. Okay, well, yeah. at least I was in the somewhere near the right ballpark. Um, I've noticed, uh, I've noticed, by the way, Travis is here, Wes is here, Marty's here. We got an amazing show for you guys today. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview Devin White, the middle linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers about all things LSU. Uh, He was all world down in Baton Rouge He's already a Super Bowl champion and an all-pro with the Tampa Bay Bucks, and we'll get into all of that here in just a bit. But before that, Wesley and I have to catch up. Travis has on yet another jam shirt from his great friends at Homage. Homage, 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 I don't know how to say it. How do you say it? How do y'all say that word? It's a silent G, right? I call it homage. Homage. I don't think it's homage. I think that it, I don't um, think it's that's an homage. Correct. An homage. Know. Listen, our, that would be a silent H, by the 100%, way. 100%. Not a silent G. 100% homage. Are we the podcast that is supposed to be telling people how to pronounce things? We're not. Uh, in fact, that is the last thing that we should be attempting to do. Quite a week for the Smiths. Made our way back from the beach. As you can see, I'm back at the Lake Norman. Marty, is your, is your mic on? I know that we're in the show now, but it sounds like it's your... Like your... Hover, Sounds ho- like an ho- echo, doesn't ho- it? Yeah, ho- hover over the mic button on your computer. Okay. Hold on. Mic button. Just a little live producing okay. here. Live engineering. Okay, hold on. For some reason, it won't let me. Do you see, like, it, at the bottom? It says I can't change. Yeah, I'm, I'm using the computer microphone. All right, we've now fixed my equipment. Um, this is the first time that I've ever done a podcast before, so... Oh, man. Our equipment is now operating on full tilt. Uh, the Smiths made their way back from the Jersey Shore. Last couple of days, I came back on Friday with all three youngins and the dog and a Ram pickup truck packed to the gills. And uh, Marty, tell me about that drive, man. It's, uh, it's lengthy. The thing about it is, though, it's like anything in life. I say all the time, life is context and repetition. And we have repeated that drive time and time again. So we have a very distinct route home. I hate Interstate 95. (laughs) Just for the record, I think it's the worst driving experience in these United States of America. And Friday only confirmed and validated my disdain for Satan's sidewalk. (laughs) And... I will, I will never get over what it's like to drive on that road. Invariably, there are hiccups. And I, normally that drive is 
somewhere in the 9.30 to 10 hour range. And that is with a couple stops for food, a couple stops to uh, heed nature's call, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, okay? Um, Had all three kids with me again, so we stopped to eat a few times. I'm really neurotic because of my dad. Although Lainey will walk downstairs and rebut this when I'm on. Where do y'all trips. go? Do you find like a stream and and catch like some fresh trout to accommodate we do. your? We do, yeah. Nutritional on this, demands. You know, I am. Uh, I'm definitely a great white hunter. So, dude, I, I feel can't... like I feel like that's what road trips used to be like, though. And I never went on one like that. But you go and look at like America's history. You go across the country. You're doing road trips with your family. You gotta you gotta live off the land a little bit. You can't just stop off at Bucky's and pick up a slim jim. Well, Lewis, Lewis and Clark, you know, I mean, they, they forage they forage their way across the, the land. Mm-hmm. All the people in the California gold rush, all of those boomer Sooners uh, made their way. Oregon and, Trail. You know, she was a girl on a wagon train. Do you guys know that song? Lonesome uh, Dove, Garth no, Brooks? I'm going to pretend like no. I do. Yeah, well, you, we can't use that anyway because we can't afford it, so – Travis is going to have to beep all that out in the first and place. And he would, he would come after us. <laughs> he would. Uh, Garth, Garth would 100% come after us for me singing the first six words. Garth's hacked into this live stream right now just in case. Just first eight case. words. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, cool stuff, neat stuff, cool stuff. So speaking of I-95, <laughs> uh, did some on-the-fly research. According to the NHTSA's data, I-95 is the most dangerous highway in the United States. In 2019, it had the highest number of overall fatalities and uh, 284 in fatalities per 100 miles, which was at 14.88. Fatalities per 100 miles was 15. That is, those are not beneficial numbers. But, yeah, I mean, it's like from wherever it begins in Maine or Vermont or Massachusetts or wherever, all the way to South Beach, Miami, uh, that road stinks. I mean, Laney was on it. Uh, She drove back on Sunday. And the line was red forever and ever, amen. It's always something. And I will say every time that we emerge unscathed and intact, I do send up a thank you. Yeah, you got to thank the Almighty after yep. that one. Grateful that we were not involved in any of that stuff. And But it's just uh, McGee calls it the devil's blood vessel. I call it <laughs> Satan's sidewalk. It's just a period. It's just a to drive on uh, to uh, drive on I-95 and I will go out of my way for a long way like the easiest route the most direct route to the New Jersey shore is leave my house go out to I-85 take I-85 north to I-95 north I-95 north all the way to 295 and then you catch Laney and I catch some back roads once we get up to New Jersey Mm mm-hmm I do not do that. I go Interstate 77 to Interstate 81 to Interstate 70 West East to, well, West coming home. Uh, on and on. Like I go around 95 as much as possible and stay off of it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, dogs fans, they go down to Jacksonville, you know, and, and I know a lot of them avoid I-95 as well. It, it's just universally hated, it seems like. Well. Uh, just count me as the president of the I-95 hatred unit. Do you guys remember on road trips, uh, you used to get the uh, AAA trip ticks? 
that have like your directions mapped out for you before uh, GPS I remember was a printing thing. out like uh, Google Maps like step by step. Yeah, uh, I remember the days of hardship when you actually had to get a Funkin' Wagnalls map. <laughs> Beg pardon? Yeah, watch your mouth. Uh, you had to get, I mean, they, they actually had like atlases. You could go to the <laughs> Sam's Club, all right, or you could go to. <laughs> You're the, buying them in bulk. You get yeah, atlases you, could, you don't even you need. Go down here to Farm Bureau, and they would give you a map like a book, a big-ass Bible of maps of every state. And you actually had to, like, open the thing up and find your route. And, like, Leo, like, my dad would would find the route. He would write out the route longhand and use highlighters to separate the various roads. That's who my dad was. Like, my dad, I think, I think for a minute, Daddy even might have gone pocket protector on us. Not sure, not positive, but I do remember he had croakies on his eyeglasses, which is a that's a that's a, that's a that's an esteemed level right there. <laughs> Wes, do you use croakies on your shades? No, nah, I'm not that fratastic. But what I about think, what I think about the you, croakies, What's 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 croakies? Well, the connotation croakies? of croakies used to be really nerdy, right? Like your your librarian had the little strap to keep the glasses on and now it's you know it's like the fratty thing oh no, is it? no, no. It, did it get cool because in my world it's kind it's, of fratty i don't know i, if, I if think you think i don't fratty think it's is that cool. cool unless the only exception is on a boat to, yeah so it'll, you, so they'll float you don't want to you don't want to lose your sunglasses or they'll float if you do well i would rather chance losing my shades i think but that's just me my buddy jody I pick on my buddy Jody all the time because not only is Jody still Captain Croakies, he's also <laughs> still private pleats. He still has pleated khakis and rocks the hell out of those things. It's, uh, where's Where's his wife at? Is he married? Uh, he's been married for 23 years now, Travis, to a beautiful woman named Tammy who <laughs> really needs our prayers. But maybe, so here's the thing, though. If she likes it, then it's like, listen, it's it's not worth it. Well, you know, one thing I appreciate in this life is knowing exactly who you are and being exactly who you are. I'd be said for it. Jody Steger has no problem in that regard. Though I will Uh, say that every every person needs a friend that can look at him and be like, bro, you can't wear that out in public. Well, you gave me a whole bunch of grief. And (laughs) I will say this, too. When I was in Nashville, Tennessee, for the outsider event at uh, the Whiskey Jam, the next day, I forget what I forget why. Like it was a couple days later, I guess. Oh, that's Travis when Travis was, slept in your bathtub. I remember. Yeah, Travis was <laughs> kind enough to bring me some hydration powder, couple of acai bowls to try to reignite my pilot, and <laughs> he was giving me down the river about the fact that I had on white Nike Prestos, like white out shoes, just all. Well, white. a lot of us were giving you hell that night. Because you were like bound to get bar tar all over them at the event, and they could not have been crisper, whiter Nike Prestos. I'm not sure how I emerged unscathed, but I did. And the next couple of days, you know, I'm I'm hanging out with people that are heroes to me. And Travis goes, "Hey, man," because Travis has some. Uh, 
What, what does OCD stand for? Obsessive compulsive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Travis has some obsessive compulsive tendencies. Tendencies, sure. And, and one of those is he could not handle the fact that I had on black footy socks with my white shoes. And I was like, like I mean, who cares? It doesn't matter. They, it looks good. And he was not into that. Like below well, the ankles, can't even see them. No, no, she, no, I could see the socks. That was the problem. Okay. He needed, uh, no, he needed no show socks. Uh, Laney has your back because the other day I went and played my best golf round ever. I've been like, wanting to hear ever. about this one. You don't talk about your golf game very much, so I, I assume you had some stories to tell. Played my best round ever, and I get home, and I'm sharing about my best round ever with my beautiful bride, and she informs me, Martin, you should have worn white socks because I had on white golf pants. I had on all white Nike Air Max 90s and black Jordan socks. Thank you. And she felt like I looked like Steve Urkel. Do you notice every time that you like say that I'm doing something wrong, I always I'm on the side of Laney? You notice I'm trying that? to visualize that. that and I just don't know. Maybe this says a lot about me, but I don't know that I would have had a problem with it if I did it. Now, apparently it was a faux pas, Wesley. Maybe you could have done like some maybe you could have done like some baby blues, like some powder blue socks or something. Baby blue. We can't afford that either. Yeah, Love we're you, in King. trouble. No show Some socks. That's trouble. what you need, Marty. Like, do I need to I know. buy I some for you? I'm trying to get this microphone out of the way. Can you still hear me all right? I mean, it can stay in the shot. At least you're using it now. Um, yeah, at least I am using yeah, it. That's true. Fashion, you know, everyone's got a bad fashion friend. Um, one of our buddies, I'm not going to name him. But, name uh, him. Say he his name. Mind. Well, his name's David. Um <laughs> <laughs> David Coffey, and uh, one of our buddies was a groomsman in his wedding, and and he asked him, hey, man, what do I need to wear to the rehearsal? What's the dress code? And David is the groom, and he says, "Uh, you know, something business casual, maybe like a golf shirt and some cargo shorts. (laughs) And that's not necessarily my definition of business cash, but uh, old David Coffey was all about it, my man. Where are you with cargo shorts? Um, nowhere. I'm, nowhere. I'm, you, you, cargo shorts and I are, out of your are nowhere together. But were they in? They were in your repertoire, certainly, right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, in high school. Hell yeah. Travis, where are you with cargo shorts? No, no. Like in high school, yes, that was the thing. But they're no longer. And I recently, not too long ago, like I just had to realize that like my shorts, my khaki shorts, were too long for like the new style. So I had to update that. So we did that. I will say I will give cargo shorts a pass to one sector and one sector only. Adam Sandler. No, dads, because you need you need if you need your like some food in your pockets and yeah. your keys and your phone, your wallet and toys. Well, the Sam's Club has uh, four varieties of iron belted cargo short. I don't know if that means the belt is included, but they've got it in wheat and camo. I mean, that's a pretty good haul. If you got tobacco, weed and camo, graphite. These around. are the names of the colors. Tobacco. I mean, how do you not get that if you're a dad? Um. So the thing that gets me right now, Travis made me think about the fact that these these younger dudes, okay, 
they wear these like swimming trunks. <laughs> they wear these board shorts called chubbies. Okay, Ooh, I've got two pairs of them. Of course you do. <laughs> so these things are so short. I feel like you got to be pretty careful because mm-hmm. there might be some obscene gestures falling out the bottom of these things if we're not careful. If yeah, you, you move yeah, the wrong some way, netting reinforcements. No, 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 no. So here's the thing, though. They they have a specific line that has built in like compression shorts into the the shorts. So you have like a, so you're good. I mean, the compression short is the. I mean, I mean, from my, from from everything that I've seen from <laughs> uh, my my godsons, etc. Kids on the beach who are wearing these things. Well, it depends uh, on the the length that you go with. I mean, I go with. I think you get I have a dicey seven, real fast. I did seven inch. I think you can go all the way. You can go like five and so, I think you maybe even a little less. But like, I go with seven. So I've got enough. There like, are a hundred jokes to be told right now. Like, yeah, there you do just need to be every, careful about the length. That's for sure. You got to know your every, length. Every, I mean, every single joke is right there on a tee, <laughs> and I am just way. I am just. Jones, you're, no, you're, you just want you want me to make it. You want someone else to make it. I do. You want you know. want Travis to make the joke. I know it's right there for y'all. <laughs> just 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 swing away, boys. Yeah, you will be swinging away if you uh, don't have the right inch Correct. measurement on your chubbies. You Got to be careful with those things. You better and I just made the intro of the podcast cold open. Not not <laughs> only uh, not only do you need to make sure that you're aware of the length. Uh, you better hope that there is some snug <laughs> compression lining in those bad boys. Oh, they're they're they are, and they're the most comfortable swim trunks I've ever had. Well, I'm glad that you enjoy them, Travis. Uh, I got a, I think flamingos on one of mine, pink flamingos. What's the other one? Like palm trees or something? It's like an Ohio State helmet with I Buckeye wish. stickers on it. Uh, it's like an Aztec kind of uh, motif. Is that the word to use? I don't Design. know, man. Motif is fine. You've taken us down a dark road, darker than I-95 itself. Well, that's I, I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. Uh, how so did we even golf, get there? Back to your golf game. You almost broke 100, right? Almost broke 100. Never done that even remotely before. Now, like, what you got to understand about my golf game is I've played golf, and I mean this, maybe 15 times in my life, Okay. And the vast majority of those experiences were at, like, charity, best ball tournaments, that kind of thing. I've only played my own golf ball three times ever. <laughs> and so I played my own golf ball and wait, shot wait, 101. Wait, wait. You mean, like, ever, ever, ever? I mean, you mean I'm not kidding you. Or you mean ever, in ever. the scrambles? No, no, no. I mean, I've only played my own golf ball. Like, I've played rounds of golf with other guys okay. where everybody played their own ball three times. Okay. And this was All the right. third time I've All ever right. done it. All right. I'm picking and up what you're putting down. I, uh, you know, I lost three balls, which is probably also a new career record for me. Yep. I shot a couple nines, which is apro-pro. But I, got, I, I had never hit a 60 in my life. And I had to rent these clubs because mine were in Charlotte at the time. And I was playing at Great Bay Club in Summers Point, New Jersey with Uncle Joe. And I love that club. I'm going to order one right now. 
Uh, plus, my boy Ryan Owens gave me another lesson, which also helps when you have a professional that is helping you with your golf swing. Now, do you, did you have like did you have like the proper amount of alcohol in your system, or like where were you, where were we at with did that? Did not have a drink until the fourteenth fairway. Wow, and that was by design. Um, so were you riding? Ever done, were you riding in a cart with like someone else in the charity? Did you know who you were playing with, or did you? So this was not this last round was not a charity round. It was okay. a round round. Real real and real deal. Okay, real it was deal. Just him and Uncle Joe, right? Uh, yeah, and a couple of other buddies of his from his golf oh, league. Gotcha. Mike and Bob. Mike's the best player in the club, mm-hmm. and Bob is an older gentleman who is just aces. Great dudes. All they wanted to hear was stories about Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth and John Rahm and Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. And so I told many. Man, that uh, LIV, gosh. I, 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 they wanted that. to know all about Liv God, God What's going on with the LIV? By the way, how about Willie Z? It was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time until Will Zalatoris broke through and won his first PGA event. He wins the FedEx St. Jude Championship, first round of the FedEx Cup playoff, and is now the number one seed in said playoff. And, I mean, that guy has been just so, so, so close so many times. You knew it was going to happen. And it was awesome. Like, he is so composed all the time. And to see that unbridled emotion – come out of him when he made that putt was awesome to witness. I love it when you see those uber-composed guys just look right at all the detractors and go, what the flip are you going to say now? Who do you think you are? I am. Right. <laughs> and uh, Wes actually shared a tweeter machine with us from speaking of Adam Sandler and cargo shorts. But Adam Sandler hoops in cargo shorts. That's why I said Adam Sandler. That man hoop, has, man. that man has not let money change who he is. No. I love that. No. I love everything about that. That's who. Uh, again, in we want authenticity, we want belonging, we want relatability. That's what we want as consumers, mm-hmm. and he's all of them. And he shouted out Willie Z after the victory. Correct, Wesley. Yeah. So if you've seen Happy Gilmore, his original caddy is that dweeby-looking, like, pencil-neck, bleach-blonde-hair kid. And people made jokes, you know, on Zalatoris' original kind of coming-out party. I guess it was a couple years ago at the Masters. Augusta National, yeah. And he looks like this kid. Now, I think he's grown up. He's, he's like, enhanced his image a little bit. He looks like more of a man now. And he's a winner now. But Adam Sandler is in on the joke, very self-aware. And he congratulated his caddy, uh, Zalatoris, which was a really nice touch. I mean, it's a, if you're Will Zalatoris and Adam Sandler is congratulating you on your win, I mean, you, you imagine how surreal it must be. Kind of like when Kathy Ireland told me that she liked my book. Was that the best compliment you ever got? I mean, look, man, ESPN is a funny thing. People, so many people watch that channel, but you don't consider that. Like, it's not something you think about. You just do your job, and you're doing your, your very best to be as prepared as you can and as articulate and concise, which is not easy for me, 
producers are constantly yelling at me to rap. But as you make your way through, and for example, when I was in Nashville, George Kittle, so O.J. Howard walks over, and he's like, hey, man, what's up? And I've known O.J. because I covered him at Bama. And he's like, come here, man. I got a guy who wants to say what's up. And it was George Kittle. And we had the nicest conversation about his perspective or perception of the way that I operate in this job. And it was very humbling. And you just don't – you don't think about that. And maybe – who knows? Maybe Will Zalatoris does. I don't know. But – That's a lot of most, tight end talent to just be hanging out. Well, it was tight end you. Travis and I wandered over there one day, and we showed up, and some guys were a little bit tardy. Mm-hmm. And it was 140 degrees on the field turf. And so Travis and I went and got another beer at the pool. Yeah. I wanted the, I wanted to make it. How do you get back home? Um, Soho House Hotel. I played tight end in high school and was ready to teach those guys a thing or two. All right. Let's go. Wes, but, uh, blowing people up from the tight end position. But they missed that. Uh, maybe, right. maybe, coffee, maybe Coffee Town on, can host tight end you next time. Can you all see that? My my mom found this the other day. I guess my Look light's a little athlete. too bright. Look at that though. That's glossy. That's a good stride, man. Yeah, like well, there a, we go. Like a Is that damn warm-ups? gazelle. Look at that. Is that a touchdown? Like what what's going on there? Uh no, they never threw me the ball. You got your ankles uh, wrapped up there? What do you got going on down there? Um yeah, I have some ankle tape. Some yeah. ankle braces. It must be I nice see, to I, be able to afford that. Uh yeah, the <laughs> no, dude. The store. No. Uh I just I just went up to the Eckerd or Rite Aid or whatever and just found the first brace I could. Just threw it down in my in my shoe. <laughs> Probably the wrong thing. Once when I was in high school, which by the way, Friday Night Lights are about to be ignited once again. I am so excited. I gotta watch Friday Night Lights every August. I watch the movie just to get my mind right. And I haven't watched be. it yet. Only way to be, son. Uh, we were in the state semifinals, and we were playing Lebanon High School, and. My buddy, Rayfield Milton, and I thought it would be a good idea to spat our cleats with athletic tape before we ran out onto the football field. And we did so. We ran out onto the football field for warm-ups, and our head coach promptly walked over, cussed us blue, and told us we were going to go back in the locker room, cut the tape off, and pay the school back for wasting the tape. (laughs) And then I promptly got smoked by a guy named Aaron Fuller who had like 240 yards and three touchdowns receiving right on my head. Yeah. All right, yeah. on that note, let's, st- let's chat with a much better defender than me. Devin White from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, again, an LSU legend. Cowboy, not a Dallas Cowboy. Here's Devin White on the Marty Smith Podcast. Before we get to my awesome conversation with Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker Devin White, an avid outdoorsman, loves riding his horses, I want to remind you guys that Moultrie is awesome. Let's start with the micro camera. Moultrie's compact, convenient, and easy-to-conceal micro-series cameras cover all your traditional trail camera needs. They maintain a minimal footprint and keep an eye on the field without sacrificing quality. You can put them anywhere in the woods, 
including dead zones, or connect with a modem for maximum flexibility. Whether you want to capture wildlife footage, do recon for hunting season, or monitor grounds as part of security measures, these new Micro Series cameras are excellent. The Micro 42, Micro 42i, and the Micro 32i double pack are available now at MoultrieFeeders.com. Look, I use these things. They are awesome. They hold so many images, and they have an adapter. You can plug it right into your phone and see instantly what's coming through your fields, how big the racks are on the bucks that are out there. You can monitor your food plots. You can monitor hotbed areas where you just know that next great buck is making its way through, and it all fits in the palm of your hands. The camera dimensions are tiny, 3.25 by 3.5 by 2.625. In other words, it's about, it's, it's barely bigger than your wallet, and it's awesome. I just sent a whole bunch of these cameras out to a bunch of friends of mine who cannot wait for deer season to get underway. Nothing says fall like deer season and football season, and it's almost time. Go to MoultrieFeeders.com right now to get your Micro 42, Micro 42i, or Micro 32i, the double pack. Go there now. MoultrieFeeders.com, one of the greatest partners here at Outsider and the Marty Smith Podcast. Now, here's Devin White. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Tampa Bay Buccaneer linebacker, all-pro Super Bowl champion, LSU Tiger. Forever. Look at that head, Bob. I love it. Y'all never graduate from down that way, bro. And we'll get into all that. I mean, look at what I wore this, man. Look at that. Hester sent me this shirt. So I just want to start with uh, LSU. Uh, I, I, you know, I want to know what you believe Brian Kelly's potential is, and I want you to share with the listeners and, and whatnot what advice you would give him about what makes that program different. Yeah, um, I, think he, I think the potential for Brian Kelly is very high. You know, just taking the magnitude of a school – such as Notre Dame, you know, not taking none away from them, but they not LSU, but they was always in the big <laughs> games. And to be able to still take talent that's not, you know, SEC talent, in my opinion, and make it to the big games says a lot about the guy who is overhead of the program, which is Brian Kelly. So, I mean, the sky's the limit in my eyes for him. But, you know, it's always going to be harder to do it in that conference that he in now, which is the SEC. But he's at the right school to do it. You know, I feel like he can um, he can get a lot of talent, but I think the thing is to be able to get over the hump and stay over the hump is he got to be LSU through and through, and players got to want to just get it all for him. I think that's that's always the the you know the behold of everything. You know, just everybody you know want to come there and want to represent that boot. You know, because I mean, obviously, man, it's a different type of love down there, and once they feel it and they winning, and you know, everything is going. You know, the way they wanted to go, I think, man, the sky's the limit for them. I would imagine you and, and your teammates from there, of course, you play with one in Leonard, but y'all probably have a text string or some sort of correspondence together. How did everybody react when he was named the head coach? Oh, I mean, I think, um, I mean, it was normal. Like, you know, obviously, LSU, they're going <laughs> to try to always put themselves in the best position to win. You know, I think that's the only thing that matters. That's why – 
you know, the NFL veterans, they always going back, you know, pouring money into the school, you know, just um, being a voice. I seen um, the Honey Badger when it spent days with them in a camp. And, I mean, it's just to show you, like, how much everybody want to see Louisiana succeed. You know, whether you playing in Louisiana still or if you with another team in NFL, you always want to see LSU do good. Um, this is going to be maybe the hardest question you answer during camp this year. Who is the greatest LSU Tiger of all time, and you can't say yourself? Oh, most definitely um, not being biased. I wouldn't say myself. For me, it, it's got to be time, Matthew. You time. know, and he and he had a short career that he played two years. You know, but man, when that if you turn on the tape, that guy was a beast, and you know he had that mindset and that every Tiger should want to play. Like, you know, he he always hunting when he was on the field. And when he was in college, man, he did it better than everybody. But not only on defense, he played special teams as well and was a dog. And, man, the way he could uh, force turnovers, man, I think, uh, man, you put a highlight of heels on, you make him want to go run through a wall. So, my opinion, you know, uh, I say Tyron Matthew, the best Tiger to ever play. Okay, one more, one more greatest ever question. 2019 LSU Tigers. Where do they rank among the greatest college football teams of all time? Um, I got to put them number one. You know, they beat everybody, you know, who was beating everybody. You know, they beat Clemson, they beat Alabama. So every team that was beating teams and had been on the top, they beat them. So, man, and I feel like all those guys, they had a lot of pro guys on that team, and those guys are playing very well in the NFL now. So that let you know, like, that was a well-put-together team. So I, I say they're the number one team. And then, you know, the other teams come after them, you know, from back that had good teams like the uh, Miami team and the USC team. But I think uh, they they number one for sure. You had such a tremendous career in Baton Rouge. You've had such a tremendous career already, even though you're still so young in the league. What, when you got to the league, what was the greatest jump? What part of the game, whether it's preparation, speed, whatever, was – the biggest difference for you personally? I think the um, biggest jump from uh, college to the NFL is uh, just preparation, like, you know, being pro ready, you know, know what's going on, understanding concepts of the NFL because, you know, what you can make up with pure speed in college, you can't do it in the NFL, like, because everything is on the stream. You know, you know, college linebacker, you know, the, the – the timing and stuff is not as the same as it is in the NFL. Like NFL quarterbacks really got a time a time clock going off in their head. Well, college people, oh, I'm gonna make a play, I'm gonna make some, I'm gonna run around, you know, scramble. I think, I think the NFL is like clockwork. So I say preparation. It's interesting. Uh, you you said it a moment ago. The SEC West is the greatest division in the best league in college football. Yes. So I imagine your preparation might have been a bit more advanced than some of the guys that you come to the league with or play with. How do you think that playing at LSU was preparation for you in terms of the NFL? Were you more ready maybe than some other guys might be? Yeah, I think um, that's, I think that's one thing that we do. You know, we, we play the same guys to the league. And when you right. get that, they're going to tell you that. Like, you come here – yeah, we want you to stay four years, but that's why they also put you on a three-year graduating plan as well. Because when you come play at LSU, it's always going to be potentially you can leave in three. So I say um, we very pro-ready. You know, the transition to the NFL as far as body, you know, style of play 
it was easy. That's why I said everything was more mental, you know, just sharpening the uh, mental tools up to be able to play in the NFL. My dog says hi. Uh, when you when you have so much success entering the NFL like you did so young, how does it redefine goals? How does it redefine what you want to become as a player when you win a Super Bowl, you're all pro in just the first couple years in the league? Um, I, I think it just makes you hungry. I think you, uh, for me, it's always about being consistent. You know, that was my thing in training camp. You know, I got it big everywhere. It's just to be consistent. Because it, it, it's, it's easy to do it one time, but can you be all pro again? Can you go win another Super Bowl? Can you make the Pro Bowl again? You know, can you get player of the week again and again? Are you just going to do it one time out of 17 games? Can you do it again? So I think that's my thing is being consistent with playing at a high level, hold myself to a high standard very consistently, doing it consistently, doing it over and over. And now you're starting to put yourself in that elite category, which, you know, everybody want to be in, but everybody don't uh, take the steps to get to it. So I think it's just about, you know, holding myself accountable to do it again and again. What's the most important thing you've learned from Tom Brady? Um, as a player, to don't worry about accolades, go chase the ring. Yeah. What about as a man? As a man, you know, uh, man, he always talk about, uh, you know, just family. You know how much he like he played the game, but how much he still put his family in, and how family is important to him. You know, because a lot of people can get caught up in being an NFL player that they still forget, like you're still a human being when you leave out these doors. You continue to give back, uh, back home all the time. Why is it important for you to remain entrenched back home? Oh man. Just because, you know, God blessed me, so why not bless others? You know, I feel like it's my calling. Like, he didn't just, you know, put me in a great position just to be selfish and be all me, me, me. I feel like he put me in a position to help others and, you know, uh, be a blessing, you know, make others smile, you know, uh, help back home. And now I transition. I'm helping in Florida as much as I can. So, you know, I just feel like I was put on this earth to be a server. You know, and, uh, man, I'm just trying to make uh, everything around me better. You know, just, you know, turn a couple smiles upside down and, you know, turn them into uh, – I mean, turn a couple frowns upside down to smile. So, I think I'm a, I'm doing a good job and I'm continuing to do more and more as much as I can, you know, but also leaving myself enough time to focus on myself as well. But I'm doing as much as I can, being a blessing as much as I can. When you do focus on yourself, what's what's the goal or the process? Oh, man, just – just to be um, mentally mentally sane, you know, I think, uh, you know, always a lot of pressure on my shoulders, you know, want to do this, want to do that, want to do this, got to be here, got to do that. I think I think the um, the goal is always to be mentally sane, you know, uh, talking to people, making sure that my, that my mind is in a good space. And so far in life, I've been doing good. You know, I'm glad I got on it early. And that's just talking to older guys and, you know, seeing how they prep and the things they like to focus on. So I'm good. I saw an Instagram post that, that you had, and I want, it's a two, two-fold question. I'll start with the message that was in there, that you're so glad that you have made your way through the hard times. You're so grateful that you've come out the other side of those. Define that for me on a, on a more specific plane, Devin. What was yeah. it that you were able to manage your way through? I'll just say just growing up, you know, just – I mean, everybody watch TV, everybody watch, you know, people, uh, whether it's fake or not, you know, living such a good life, you know, all the glitz and the glamour and all that. And, man, you know, coming where I'm from, it's not all that. You know, I, I say it's more ruggish where I'm from, you know, 
you know, uh, it ain't a lot of just glamour everywhere. And, and that's kind of what I mean, you know, just having to grow up, you know, uh, not my own bathroom, not my own bedroom, just stuff like that. I, I just feel like that was a hard time, you know, coming up. And everybody got a sad story, but, you know, work harder. You know, and, that, and that's the main point I be trying to emphasize when I always talk about, you know, coming from that. It's like, hey, you know what you came through and you know where you don't want to go back to. So, you know, keep working. You know, it's just it's just a mental note to myself to just keep working so I don't ever have to go back, to, you know, to living how I used to live. Or, you know, just being able to go do what I want to do when I want to do it. It's just a reminder to just keep working hard. Which always, Which also goes back to being present in the community that you came from because – it is so valuable, no matter your background, for those young people to see somebody who looks like them, who grew up in a similar way to they are, being so successful. What is the value of that when you can see somebody like you doing it? Yeah, I, I think the value is very high, you know, because being one from is a very small town. Like, you probably can't name five people, maybe three people that come from, you know, where I'm from and just doing something successful nationwide you know like kids everywhere know who Devin White is but you know when I go back and preach to them you know I always tell them about the journey like they see me now but this just didn't happen overnight you try to you know tell them the process so they can hone in on basically school you know just being a hard worker and being a respect a respectful kid in the community you know one thing you know growing up people will always tell you like you know he was a respectful kid you know he could come to my house he can come eat at my house. He can come spend a night at my house. And just trying to instill that into the younger generation when they see me, you know, um, I think uh, that's very important. It is extremely important. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to, to discuss about that one post is I think you had on your letterman jacket in that Yo. post. Is, huh. How in the hell do you still fit in that thing? Hey, man. Just, you wide as a truck now, man. Hey. We just we just getting stronger, man. You know everything still fit. You know, actually probably slimmer from the old days, from from uh, high school days and stuff. You know, I was eating a lot of steaks and stuff. Everybody was taking me out, you know, to uh, dinner. Now, you know, that dietitian, right? So so how has your diet changed? Uh man, just eating more cleaner, uh, processing what I take in. You know, I'm, I'm more so of a, a smoothie guy now. I like I like to drink a lot of smoothies, get a lot of protein from smoothies. You know, kind of no burgers. I don't re never partake in burgers anymore, you know, since the NFL. So, I mean, I, I know uh, health is wealth. And, you know, I want to be wealthy, so I got to make sure to help right. When you're at the level you're already playing at, uh, I wonder what areas do you look at and say, hey, I want to be better here? What yeah. are those areas? Um, I say um, finishing tackles. You know, uh, I'm so fast just, uh, you know, slowing down and gaining momentum to make tackles. And I feel like uh, zone concepts and, uh, you know, I've always been a man-to-man. -man. Put me on that person, I'm going to lock them down. So now I feel like i got to take the next step is learning route concepts, playing zone, learning fire zones and quarters and whatever, you know, quarter-quarter half, whatever defense we playing that's not man-to-man. Learning, uh, learning it and uh, anticipating things on the field so I can just take that next step and being an elite linebacker. All right, I know a lot of people talk about you and the horse thing, but I, I got to admit I'm pretty fascinated by this. Yeah. How were, you, how were you introduced to horses? Yeah, if type in Con Valley, look at the population, maybe less than 1,000 people. But it manages all around the town. That's what people do. 
I, I still have horses in Louisiana. Hell, I even come from practice with a uh, picture of horses passing the school and people's like, hey, are these your horses that's out or do you know who they belong to? And that's just to let you know, like, you know, man, it's crazy. There's horses everywhere on every side of town. It's just what we do. You know, horses is like the number one hobby where I'm from. You know, we don't have a bowling alley. We don't have a movie theater. Like, we don't have a skating ring in our town. So it, we don't have a recreation center in our town. So it's like, what else can we do? So I think horses became big, and that's that's kind of one of the reasons why, because it's the fun you can do. You can go ride throughout the whole neighborhood, I mean, throughout the whole town. Nobody says nothing. Cars actually respect you on horseback up in my town. So it's just something that everybody just grow to love, man. I got a two-year-old son, and that's all he want to do is go to the barn. <laughs> and get live stables. You got How many horses you got? Uh, probably 30. Probably 30. Amazing, man. I just think that's so cool, and I appreciate your time. I know we got to let you run. Thank you for joining us right in the middle of camp, brother. Uh, so, so impressed with your career, and more than that, your spirit. You have a beautiful spirit for other people. Thank you for being a servant leader, and uh, best of luck to you guys this season. If uh, y'all don't win the y'all don't win the Super Bowl, man, I'll have to be calling you. All right. <laughs> all right, Marty. Appreciate you having me, man. Have a good day. God bless. Devin's already had an amazing career. Uh, I mean, you heard him say it there. It's it's so true. We say it a lot. It's one thing to write your first record. It's a whole different challenge to write the next one. And he that's kind of where he is. He said it. Do not settle. Do not rest. Continue to push to find an even better version of what is already an all-pro career, a Super Bowl championship career. And they're definitely going to have an opportunity to do it again with with Tom Brady and, and with Devin and everybody involved down there in Tampa. Uh, they have great leadership, and when your best players are your best leaders, that's a very, very special equation, very special opportunity. And it's obvious that, that he realizes that. He's just one of those dudes that he's, he's a great player, but even a, just a better person, man. And the, great guy. Like, even if you are, let's, like, it's, even if you're a, Buck, uh, a Saints fan or a Panthers fan, like, it's hard to root against Devin White. He's just an awesome dude, and uh, we need at some point to get you down there and you and him ride horses and do something together. He's like a damn cowboy, man. He is a cowboy. I mean, I loved what he said. You know, he, that that I've always been intrigued by that. I remember when he was at LSU, I was this close to doing a feature for College Game Day or Sports Center, somebody on Devin and how much he loves horses, and. It never did materialize, but I love that. The, the, that's who we are. That's where we're from. That's what you do where I grew up. And I love that he carries that with him because one of the things that people where you come from appreciate is when you carry it with you. And he's absolutely doing that. Not only is he carrying that with him, he's also giving back to it. And I appreciate that philanthropic spirit. It is important. And, you know, like right now, I'm in the process of working towards a way to help out Southwest Virginia. Uh, that area that I grew up in, not my hometown specifically or my home county, but all the way down there towards Tennessee and, and a lot of places in Kentucky, all throughout Appalachia, have been just 
so impacted, so deeply impacted by all of this flooding recently. And a lot of those folks need help. They need help financially. They need help with infrastructure. They need help rebuilding and reclaiming uh, their, their normal. And I desperately want to help, and I am working through right now some ways to do that. Certainly, we can raise money, and that is an option, but we would also like to, to go much further than simply handing over, handing over a check. But appreciate Devin. Thank you so much to him for sharing his spirit. Good luck to him, Tom, and everybody involved down there this year putting up with our boy Jeff Darlington. Um, I love you, Jeff. I do. Uh, so before we get out of here, Travis has some beef with me, and I don't know what it is. He's been blowing up my phone, texting me constantly. What's going on? What What's happened? your problem, man? So on Saturday, it was you and Roman Harp, Harper filling, Harp, Harp was filling in for McGee, and you were talking about your I-95 trek home and your snacks. Yeah. And the drink of choice that you went with, it might be the worst pick. You went with chocolate milk for a road trip, Marty. What's wrong with that? That's, I love chocolate Man, milk. I feel like that would put me to sleep. Yeah, that, that's, just, that's like you just want to I need like, a nap, bro. Do yeah. you want to know the very best recovery drink that there is for endurance training? You want to know? Take a guess. Yeah, it's it's chocolate milk, and that is like pure propaganda from big chocolate milk. You actually believe that? I not only believe it, I incorporate it. All right. Inject it into my veins, Wesley. Okay. I know this is Travis's beef, but I'm starting to beef a little bit on this too now. Join my beef. That is Watch not it. an endurance. <laughs> that is not an endurance recovery. What are you recovering from? Yeah, if you had it when you got home from the trip, from that'd driving be one thing. on I ninety five. How do y'all, dude? I didn't leave Ocean City till twelve thirty in the afternoon. Some of us get on the grind early. Um. All right. No. The, and then you, I just don't. I don't understand. How you don't have any caffeine in there. Well, that's because I've already had my two cups of coffee in the morning. All right. I was going to. So it, I will say this. One thing that I very rarely, very rarely participate in is caffeinated drinks from Chick-fil-A. I don't you, do soda You rarely and all participate that in that. However, I uh, stopped at Chick-fil-A in Harrisonburg, Virginia, down the street from James Madison University. Mm. Got my kids all their... Uh, Strip meals and their lemonades. Chick-fil-A lemonade is the truth. Uh, it's the best. But I did participate in Chick-fil-A sweet tea because I wanted to make sure that I could be awake and get us all the way home. Chick-fil-A sweet tea, holy guacamole. Uh, it is very, very, very sweet. Nothing compared to Bojangles, though. Y'all ever had Bojangles sweet tea? Yeah. It's the goat. You got to cut that down with some unsweet. Bojangle sweet tea is the goat. It's like a sweet tea popsicle. It is unbelievably sweet. Oh, should we make those? Does anyone make those? Did you sweet do sweet tea popsicles? Dude, you might be onto something there, Marty. Definitely onto something. I mean, everybody loves sweet tea vodka is... drinks now. Speaking of the Chick fil A lemonade, a lot of times I what I'll do is I'll get a lemonade, wait and get, take it home, take a few sips. Pour Tito's in it. Add some add some vodka to it. I mean, that lemonade is undefeated. 
the Dripping actually, Springs. I, take I think it back, we actually yeah. made it this far into the episode without one of y'all talking about drinking. So um, that, that's a first. I will say, though, Chick-fil-A's lemonade currently is undefeated. But you remember the Country Time lemonade in the can? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That stuff would get you. You'd be they sponsored Michael like, Waltrip's race car in 1994. Yeah. Somewhere around. <laughs> great. That was did. great branding. Number 30 car. Um, but yeah, your guys' snacks were. I forget what were your snacks again. You weren't like a Reese's. That's not a. That's yeah, not Reese's a cup. That, if you're driving, that's not a. That's a awful. That's a lot decision. of chocolate. What that's, about an oatmeal also, cream pie? No, that's not. That's another awful decision to have for if you're driving. Laney likes combos. Yes, mm. combos is a good one because why you, the fingers stay clean, but it also there's mul- there's many of them. Kind of get like kind of get that dust. You get that dust though. With that, uh, could I uh, could I just repeat that Travis has some obsessive compulsive tendencies? The very first criteria that came out of his mouth was your fingers stay clean. That was well, the yeah, criteria. When you're driving, you got your hand on the wheel, and also Bro, the combo. You, you drive you a, a Hyundai Excel. You need a little bit of sweet and like, a little calm bit. Calm down, calm down with your hand on the wheel stuff. <laughs> By the way, how's your ride doing? What was the diagnosis? Uh, it was a broken tire rod. I oh, told you. Dude. I called it. How did they I get knew that it. thing out, man? Dude. Travis had his car stuck in a parking deck. <laughs> it took. How did so they long. do it, man? Did they did they like do the wrecking ball and helicopter it out? What happened? It, it, the process started at eight a.m. At four p.m., <laughs> I was able to get one of those just like lift trucks where they just lift the front two tires. Luckily, his lights a flatbed. <laughs> no, because a flatbed wouldn't it's work. It's a giant forklift. No, just the one where like the truck in the old school kind of tow trucks. Yeah, yeah. And so, luckily, his lights were collapsible, so he, those got knocked down, and he just fit through. And then once we got it out, he goes, "I'm not gonna lie, I was nervous a couple times." Well, I mean, I'm glad that the uh, Hyundai Excel is back in operational. Yeah. You order. need a chocolate milk after that, man. That's you a lot. You definitely need a, some combo, some some <laughs> clean finger combos in a Nesquik. No. <laughs> you got to get yourself a pop of some kind, some combos, maybe some like uh, sour watermelons. Like, Yeah, you need a little sweet and a little savory, like like some Doritos and some peanut M&Ms. Like you got to mix that up. You got to cover your bases. The Reese's will be gone too All fast. Right, so what is your... My other one is Skittles because, like, Skittles are the goat. Skittles are amazing. Did I? Did you? I don't know if you guys saw the Marty McGee program, but I was talking to Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, who's an avid runner, about when I ran the Boston Marathon in 2014. I ran the Boston Marathon with a bag of Skittles in my pocket, and every couple miles, I would put in a you know, marginal mouthful of Skittles, half chew them and position them in my lip. You put in like a in Skittles my lower horseshoe. Lip, like a dip of snuff. <laughs> and all of that, all that. Dude, that's sugar, like if Willy Wonka invented a, a, a dip. That's what he well, would yeah. do. All these dudes, all these ladies and gentlemen who are endurance athletes use goo. They use, uh, you know, gels and all this stuff to, to get electrolytes into their b- body. I mean, I use Skittles, and th- you can feel your blood infused with the simple sugar. Now, granted, it lasts about a minute and a half, but yeah. nonetheless, 
tastes really good. And if you have enough of them, it can carry you through. So that's what I did. And Commissioner Sankey was not at all impressed. He's never tried that before. Oh, I was expecting that to go a lot differently. Shocker. He he shocker. May, I mean, you never know. He may incorporate it. He may just go, you know what, when I go out for my 5K, man's ran five miles. The, the man has run more than three miles for like yeah. two and a half straight years every day. He's like Forrest Gump, but he's just staying still. Huh. Let's, let's see if well, I'm trying to think. The, I'm trying to find the number. The last the time he stopped counting, I can't find it though. Been a long time. While Travis does research, uh, a lot of you guys have inquired about the hat on my head. This is our brand new outsider. Let me get nice and close. Sunday money hat. Uh, we designed these after so. My little NASCAR column I do on Outsiders called Sunday Money. And I asked Dale Jr. if he was okay if I used that title because that, the reason I, that, that I love it, it was, is it was what Big E named his yacht. Big E's yacht was named Sunday Money. It's also a Brooks and Dunn song. Uh, very uh, inspired in very similar means. And... So we start writing this column, and a lot of people think it's cool, and a lot of people love the logo. So Andy Johnson got right on it and ordered a whole bunch of hats. There's this one that has a dark blue trucker back and a red rope, and the one that I love is my high school colors. It is red, bill, Carolina blue uh, trucker mesh back and Carolina blue rope. It is awesome. And you guys can get those real soon in the Outsider store, shop.outsider.com, along with our brand new coffee, which I mm. tried for the first time yesterday. I tried the light roast uh, from Papua New Guinea. How do you say that? Pa Papua New Guinea. I Papa? Papua. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Papua New Guinea. Uh, it is really good. I enjoyed it. So you guys can also get Outsider Coffee there in the store, shop.outsider.com. Wes's hat is on there. We have a cornucopia of different lids from which you can choose. We have hoodies on there, T-shirts. So go on there, shop.outsider.com, and find you something you like. Yeah, we got something else coming soon too, I believe. We do have something else coming very soon. That is gratis beer. We have begun the process of promoting gratis beer travis has a oh wait a minute i just ripped my headphones out of my deal hold on mm. all right i can hear again you can see there that's what our can looks like travis is holding that up uh it will debut it's already debuted i saw on andy's instagram i tried that it last he week. already ordered some in a nashville bar so oh in september it will be distributed throughout nashville that's where we're going to launch the beer because that's where Outsider is based. They're in Nashville, Music City, Tennessee. So y'all ask for it by name, Gratis Beer. Yep, gratisbeer.com. We ahead. are continuing to expand the Outsider palette. Again, we have all kinds of goodies. Our coffee is on shop.outsider.com. Three different types right now, including a decaf option. We have all our hats, including the Sunday money option. I hope you guys go get that hat. I love it. Hope you do, too. And a lot of y'all have asked. I wore, it, uh, I wore it playing cornhole 
during ESP and the Ocho, and a lot of you guys reached out asking where you could get it. That's where you can get it very soon, shop.outsider.com. Before we go, speaking of Sunday money, can we briefly talk about Kevin Harvick? I told you. I wrote it this week. I wrote First of all, I wrote it a couple weeks ago before he won at Michigan Speedway that, you know, you never know. With There's been so many different drivers win now. There's been 15 different drivers win. There's two races to go as we sit here in the NASCAR regular season at Watkins Glen, New York next week, and then at Daytona International Speedway the following week, the regular season finale. And – Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex are embroiled in a hell of a battle trying to see who's going to get that last spot. Or will somebody else maybe win? But I said it a couple weeks ago on Sunday Money that Kevin Harvick is one of those guys. He and Rodney Childers, they've been together nearly a dick. Uh, what? They've been together nearly a decade now. And be careful in there. It's, it's, a, it's wild west out there, boys. Been together about a decade now and they're champions, and like it's a brand-new race car. Sometimes you don't hit it right off the bat. you got to massage on that race car. you got to work. you got to try things. You see what works, what doesn't, and they've methodically gotten faster and faster. We saw it at Pocono. And then he shows up and wins Michigan, and I wrote last week on Sunday Money, a lot of you guys read it, a lot of you guys had plenty to say about it, that they're one of those duos. They get one. They're like – they're like some hungry sharks, man. That blood's in the water, those guys go, and they start feasting. And what did they do? They turned right around. They win Richmond on Sunday. They've won two in a row, and they are skyrocketing up the playoff standings chart. How, how worried do you think some of these drivers are that, you know, a former champion is on this run right now, and he's with his crew chief that they've been with together? Like, do you think there's some drivers that are like – Oh, crap. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that they're worried. I don't know if worried is the right word, but it's definitely like – got to take notice. Yeah, I mean, here, here we go. I mean, everybody out there knows this about them. It had been 65 races since Harvick won prior to Michigan. And I loved what he said after that race. I loved what he said. Yeah, I don't, he defines pressure differently than everybody else. He had pressure that none of us can fathom, that being when Dale Earnhardt died in turn four of the 2001 Daytona 500, Kevin Harvick was handed the keys to the three and was charged with leading that race team in NASCAR's darkest hour in a time when everybody was in shock. And y'all know how I feel about Dale Jr. I've said it on this show before, but Kevin – also deserves so much credit for get, I mean he put that team in victory lane in his third start at Atlanta Motor Speedway and went around the racetrack with three fingers in the air and it was so cathartic to so many millions of people and certainly for that race team Chocolate Myers and all those guys Richard Childress and so here they are. I mean, it's, uh, they're, they're going to be formidable because now they have confidence that they know how to manipulate this race car. And Kevin is more comfortable in the race car. And Rodney knows what Kevin wants in the race car. And that's a very scary thing for the other competitors. Uh, 
worried, I don't know if that's the right word, but oh damn, here they come, is absolutely part of this. And, you know, again, they're going to the Glen and then to Daytona to close out the regular season before the playoff begins. But been an amazing season so far in the yeah, Cup Series, been. a tr transitional, transformational year. And that's only going to continue once we get deep into the playoff here to see who emerges as the NASCAR champion before they go to Nashville, Tennessee to celebrate at the season-ending award ceremony, which some people may or may not be involved in. That is TBD.